Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Today's episode is brought to you by ModMed. Do your EHR and PM adapt to your style of practice? The ModMed EHR and PM do, with benefits like remembering preferences and automatically suggesting documentation and billing codes. Urologists voted ModMed the number one urology-specific EHR and PM solution available, built by urologists with input from yours truly. Stop wasting 60 minutes and 200 for each of your open or no-show slot. Go to modmed.com slash prsnetwork. Set up an appointment with the team at ModMed Urology and shift your urology practice into high gear. Imagine a solution on a tablet or the web that works seamlessly with revenue cycle management, analytics, telehealth, payment processing, patient engagement tools, and much more. ModMed is transforming healthcare by placing doctors and patients at the center of care. Welcome to episode 164 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. And on today's episode, we're going to tackle some more FAQs from our Urology Coding and Reimbursement group, uh, which if you go to the episode page, uh, you can find a link to how to join that group. It's free to join, and on there, you'll see questions being asked and you're welcome to join the group and ask some questions if you'd like. So today we're going to talk about a question uh, about the E-string, which is a ring for estrogen delivery for females uh, in menopause. And then we're also going to talk about drug compound drug coding. And we had a specific question on that. Okay, let's dive right in. Um, we have uh, the first question comes in, and it's about the E-string. It's from Tracy. Tracy asks, uh, I'm trying to verify the correct CPT code for the insertion of an E-string to treat vaginal changes in menopause. The AAPC has two different answers, but they're almost 20 years apart. I'm looking at CPT 57160 and 57170. Uh, the 57160 is the insertion uh, of pessary or other intravaginal support device. And the, five one, the 57170 is the diaphragm or cervical cap fitting with instruction. In the AAPC post, that is the most recent, uh, which is in September 10th, 2021, they said to use this 57170 for the E-string. If uh, 57170 is the most, uh, is mostly to prevent pregnancy, Tracy says that she can't see how that would be appropriate for a woman in menopause. All right, let's go through this. And uh, uh, Mark, you want to break it down and give your, uh, give your thoughts? Sure. So um, there's a couple of different things you're up against here. So first of all, as Tracy's question really imparts um, that neither of these codes fit, you know, truly what is being uh, inserted 
relative to the E string. So the E string is a ring. Um, it does go into the vagina, just like a diaphragm or a cervical cap or a pessary. Um, but it is really not um, for any of what the description would say. I mean, a professor, uh, pessary or an intervaginal support device is primarily right uh, for the for actual structural support. Um, those uh, de the devices, either the support device or the pessary, as many of you know very well, this is uh, these are uh, in inserted into the vagina to help hold some structure. Uh, for the 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 vagina up in the uh, the upper part of the the vaginal uh, area, so um, it's not really that. I mean, the e string is a drug delivery device. Um, it can be like the pessary or the support device um, inserted by the patient, and in fact, most of the instructions and the drug itself um, are considered predominantly self-administered by the patient. Um, and then the, as Tracy pointed out, the 517, uh, 57170, you know, with a diaphragm and a cervical cap are, are really targeted towards pregnancy prevention and, and, and therefore very likely to have some diagnosis restrictions that don't fit in that menopause area. Um, so you've definitely got a couple of different issues. And so number one, I would say that, of course, you know, talking to the patient about the E-string and how to administer, how to put it in herself, given the patient education, um, for that patient, uh, that's E&M services only. Um, you know, a lot of times the, those patients can look at part D coverage for the E-string, uh, device. So they would be able to get coverage in most cases for the E-string, um, that delivery system, under their Part D coverage. So, and, you know, typically that would mean you would write a prescription for the patient, talk to them about it, and uh, send them on their way, um, which would be an E&M code, and then they would get their prescription filled. Now, if for some reason... The physician feels it's medically necessary um, for the insertion of that device to be done by the professional. From a CPT perspective, you you're probably better off on the enlisted code mapping it back to either the five one seven six zero or the five one seven seven zero, but and not necessarily using either of those codes directly because that isn't exactly what you're doing. Um, but I could certainly see um, that some payers would accept um, those codes um, in, the, in the processing of those claims. Um, both of those codes um, pay um, about the same amount, um, but the biggest problem you've got is that in the office setting, um, there is some, uh, now the, the pessary, um, even though the facility uh, payment is higher than the non-facility, or excuse me, the non-facility or office payment is higher than the facility, 
um, that there is an A code um, that is typically used to report the supply of the pessary. Um, so you've got a couple of different issues to kind of navigate around um, with those uh, particular codes, the both the seven zero and the and or one seven zero and the one six zero. But uh, in the end, um, there's there's not. I mean, you're you're kind of leveraging or adapting to codes that are not supposed to be used for that uh, e-string insertion um, for this. So again, it's a, probably one of those things where it it doesn't really fit from a CPT or a pure CPT perspective. The unlisted code would probably be right if you are doing the insertion, um, but could certainly see some payers uh, looking at the either the one, the five seven one six zero or the five one seven one seven zero as appropriate for reporting that encounter, but I would absolutely check with my payer before doing that. Ray, any comments? Well, only to back up what Mark said, a, a payer might pay for it if you submit it, but if they audited you, they might want to take their money back unless they had specifically made the decision to use that code to pay for that procedure. Is that interpreting correctly what you said, Mark? Well stated. <laughs> so, well, and so unless you've got it from the payer, you're probably better off using the unlisted, correct? Correct. And uh, in our, in our prepper, preparatory discussion we did look at this and uh, we had the discussion about the specific words in the cpt description um you know in the five one five seven one six zero it's it's insertion of pessary or other intravaginal support device and so we had a discussion of is this device doing any supporting uh of the vaginal uh, vault and and we could not come up with that. I mean, that was a definite no. So, um, so anyway, it was an interesting, interesting question, and uh, and it did, did spark some interesting discussion on our parts as well. All right, the next question we have is from Don. And Don says, hello, I have a question regarding Trimix billing. I know that there is not a HICPIX code since it is a compound drug. For my own research, I have found conflicting information with some saying to bill each drug separately and others to bill the enlisted J3490. In your opinion, what is the best practice for billing Trimix? All right, Mark, what's our recommendation? All right, so Trimix is a combination of three different um, uh, types of of drug, two of which have um, appropriate uh, J codes and one which does not. Um, so, in 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 those circumstances that you obtain the the three drugs separately and you're putting the the, to the, those together for an injection, you can split out those three different codes um, in and put the appropriate units that were used and 
you're going to use box 19 to put the NDCs for each one of those three different drugs uh, in that uh, in that uh, particular area of wherever your practice management system lets you map your NDC codes to, like billing any other drug is the bottom line. And you also have to remember that you know the the long term for any of these uh, intracavernosal injections is for uh, the patient to administer those themselves. So a lot of the those are restricted to a one-time injection by a, a number of payers um, in that training session so that the patient can then inject their own. Um, but the other thing that is interesting, and, and Don puts this in, it is a compound drug. So if you are receiving the Trimix already put together from a specialty pharma, it really is now a compound drug, and they should have an NDC code for that, in which case you would not split it into the three different types. You would use the J3490. Um, you would use the NDC code appropriate from that uh, specialty pharma or that compounded uh, information or that compounded uh, injection, and you would need to check directly with your payer to see if, in fact, um, that compounded drug is covered by that payer. And of course, you're going to watch. You're going to want to watch very carefully what that uh, what limitations there are on the frequency. Uh, for which you can actually provide that drug to the patient, thus uh, allowing you to bill the pharmaceutical or bill the pharmaceutical component and even the injection itself and have it covered by that payer. Um, and then I will tell you that there are a number of folks that are um, not uh, uh, injecting that. They're providing these to the patient separately. Um, that is not going to be covered for self home use or for home use for Medicare um, and a lot of your private sector payers. Um, so um, you want to be careful of that as well to not bill for those things that you are uh, not injecting in the office. It's only covered when you are doing the administration and it fits all those criteria. Ray, any comments? Nope, uh, nothing to add. So uh, I've got one question for you. So where you'd mentioned just double checking with your payer to make sure that was covered. Um, again, where where would you recommend that they look for that just for those that don't know? Uh, yeah, so a number of the payers will have specific areas within their uh, portals to communicate with you what NDCs are covered and what which are not. Um, so, um, and many of you use compounded drugs um, and you would find this in those same areas, um, things like Testapel um, and those types of things that are provided by your specialty pharma groups. And a lot of you will actually have the uh, compounded pharmacies um, supply the drug and not have you not have you pay for it in which case you're gonna you may list 
the unlisted code in the NDC, but you would put zeros in the units box and not actually bill it for some, and some don't have you bill it at all. So there's a few different things that you've got to consider. All right, that's all we have for today's episode. I want to remind you that the Urology Advanced Coding and Reimbursement Seminar registration is open, and you can still get an early bird discount. Uh, If you go to the episode page at prsnetwork.com forward slash 164, and uh, you will be able to click on the link, and also there's a code there that you can get a discount, but uh, you should be able to get registered for both Las Vegas coming up in December of 2023 that's december 1st and 2nd or you can join us in new orleans on january 26th and 27th 2024 so we look forward to seeing you all there all right let's get some final thoughts mark final thoughts yeah so um when you start looking at you know new or devices that you run up against and or you're looking at uh, drug billing issues. Um, it's important to look far and wide, um, you know, and to understand where the CPT codes are um, and what they say. And sometimes it's worth going a little further than finding just what works to finding out what should be done as you run through this. And and sometimes when you're dealing with all of these things, it's what works for a particular payer instead of what works for all payers. That we all know we have to have payer-specific playbooks. So pay attention to to those things. And and finally, um, pay attention to your payers and, and how they deal with compounded drugs and specialty pharma. Those are areas where some folks have gotten into some big trouble um, by putting the wrong NDC numbers down. Yeah, you mentioned that, uh, you know, different payers have different rules for different uh, codes or different situations. I will remind you that there is a handy feature in AUA coding today that you can add notes by CPT code. And in there, we suggest putting notes about specific payers so that you can uh, quickly remind yourself what the payers require. All right, Ray, final thoughts. Well, just to add to that discussion, the fact you get paid and the fact that this ICD-10 gets you paid from that payer doesn't mean it's correct. You want to be sure that you are absolutely accurate in your coding, both CPT and ICD-10, not just what will get you paid. But you definitely need to apply that to each payer because a payer can override CPT anytime they want to. So you have to be payer specific. All right. Very true, because they could come back and take do some take backs. How long can they come back at you? For private payers, it depends on the contract. Okay. All right. And for Medicare? They can reach back. Typically, they only reach back about three years, but they can go further. So just just <laughs> I think that emphasizes what you said, Ray, that uh, just because you got paid doesn't mean necessarily that it's uh, 
home free from there. So got to make sure those everything is correct because it can come back to bite you. All right, we'll end this one here. I will. We want to thank Mod Med for supporting this episode. And if you're in the market for a practice management system or an EHR, you can go to modmed.com forward slash PRS network. And they do have some specials for our audience. All right, that's it. That's all we got today. Take us out, Ray. Happy coding. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juice Reap.